Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us once again on our weekly webinar series, Successful Strategies for Shaping Your Future, brought to you by URSA, Club Solutions, and Rex Executive Roundtables. This week, uh, we're focusing on virtual events and outdoor fitness. I'm Brent Darden, and this week's session is actually sponsored by Renig Insurance. We've been doing a great job with a lot of uh, the club operators all around the country. So Renig Insurance is sponsoring this week's session. Joining us once again are uh, returning panelists and partners in crime, literally, uh, Blair McCaney, who's the CEO of MXM and the owner of the Works of Wenatchee, Bill McBride, who's co-founder, president, and CEO of Active Wellness. And our guest panelists this week are Aaron Onick, who's the National Customer Experience Manager for Les Mills. Welcome, Aaron. Ralph Rays, who is a CEO, COO, I should say, of Forma Gym. And last but not least, Robert Brewster, who's the CEO of the Frozen Tundra at the Alaska Club, where I think it's already hit zero degrees uh, this year. So before uh, we move on to the questions, let's circle back and let each of you, uh, Aaron, and I'll let you start, Give us a little perspective about your responsibilities there with Les Mills. Thank you, Brent. So I oversee our, our national brands here in the U.S. for Les Mills. So, um, and I get to interact with a lot of you guys here in some of the various conferences, Rex Roundtables, Earth events, all of that. So I would say I would have the fun job, but I think most of my team teammates would probably debate that. Okay. Excellent. Ralph, go ahead. I know you've got, uh, I've been to the former gyms, of course, and I know them pretty well, and you've got some fantastic outdoor facilities, some of the best I've seen, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say today, but can you give everybody a little bit of perspective about uh, your clubs? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. So we are in Northern California. We've got one club in Walnut Creek, which is kind of in the Northeast Bay of San Francisco area, and then one down in San Jose. Uh, we are at about 20, we're at 25% indoor usage right now with emphasis on outdoor use. And our, any indoor use has to is mask mandatory. So we've got oh, medium-sized clubs, about 40,000 square feet, and our dues, average dues are right around $100. So we're right kind of in that, that mid-market. That's where we're at. Okay. Robert? Well, I'm uh, CEO of the Alaska Clubs. We've got 15 locations uh, distributed around Alaska. We have uh, largely multi-purpose based clubs, a few fitness only, as well as one uh, yoga boutique. We are uh, at the higher end of the price point here. We're about $120 per month. And our facilities range anywhere from 108,000 square feet down to our yoga studio, which is about 6,000 square feet. Okay, great. Well, thank you all for uh, joining us today. Uh, I think I'd like to start with sort of the broad uh, message, which is about virtual events overall, before we get into specifically sort of outdoor fitness. So start with that. Um, uh, Ralph, maybe I'll let you go first. What are some of the virtual events uh, that Forma Gym has been putting on for the membership to keep people engaged? Yeah, so one of the strategic initiatives that I have for this quarter is really kind of Renormalizing programming. I think that that's one of the hallmarks of what gets people to the club is having events that people enjoy and give them a reason to come to the club. And I think being able to do those things in a safe but fun way is is really important to be able to draw people back. So that's one of the things. But probably the biggest deal is that Forma Gym has been like a 15-year sponsor of our local turkey trot. And uh, we, you know, we've had like 5,000 participants in this thing for a long time, and it's a great fundraiser for the community. But this year, we turned it into a, a virtual 5K, 10K. So we didn't want to not do it because, you know, our beneficiaries this year are the food banks, and food food sensitivity is is such a huge topic this year with everything going on economically. So we still wanted to make sure that we were doing it. So. We've completely reformulated that into a virtual event, and that's been really fun because thinking about how to do this without geographical boundaries and how we can market and appeal to it. So if anybody out there would like to participate in our turkey trot, happy to uh, have you on board. 
Yeah, interesting. That's great. I want to just, Ralph, you don't sponsor the event. You put on the entire event, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, we're, we are the race. We do hire out a timing and then we hire out the people to close the streets. And I haven't been with Forma that long because I was with Club Sport before that, but I was here for last year's Turkey Trot to see it live. And it is a huge production and really a, a community tradition. So uh, we didn't, didn't want to lose the tradition. And I think that's kind of the, the theme that we've had is like, how can we be smarter than this virus, right? And how can we still have fun and how can we still do things and do it safely, but keep these things alive that make us uh, engaging to the community? It's right. an amazing event and uh, I've been there a few times. I was there, uh, last time I was there, MC Hammer was there with Robert uh, helping MC it. Wow, that's fun. Well, Robert, what about you? You're uh, you're a little different climate up north, but you're still doing virtual events. What are some of the fun things y'all have done? Well, obviously, with as cold as it is here, not leaving your house is a bonus, right? So everybody likes that. But the, um, you know, our feeling about virtual is that although it will become an important aspect of the club business, it's not going to be the club business. So whatever we do on a virtual basis has to support the brick and mortar. And we have to be able to use that as a tool to connect people, not just during this obvious uh pandemic issue that we're dealing with, but also for the long term, how can we get smart about virtual to add additional value to our membership uh, and the people that are paying us uh, to come to the gym? So um, I think some of the, we've done a full spectrum of things and some of the more successful ones we've done include, um, you know, there, you know, a full palette of classes but some really cool specialty things that we've done virtually with Mr. Ben, for example. Uh, when it, we identified that um, kids uh, were obviously missing their school time, physical education, things of that nature. And so we initiated uh, a program uh, where we had a recurring series of PE classes that we advertised, which I think is a slightly different spin than the general fitness sort of thing that you see, you know, from a Zumba class or a, um, you know, different strength, et cetera. And that became extremely popular. And what, uh, what we did with that is we uh, not only had him doing more physical education style uh, teaching, uh, but we also thought it was super important to do this um, in a format where there was two-way communication between the students and, or, and the, and the, teacher and so we would have uh we we learned the green screen and so every class had a theme and so there we would they would he would dress up as a superhero or a firefighter or you know some kind of a different thing and uh then there would be two-way communication so the parents would be writing in what the kid was doing and that would be showing up on a screen uh, in front of the instructor and he'd be able to call out individual kids and say hey i hear you're doing really well today uh you know keep going with that uh, and that really took on a life of its own. And one of the things that we've learned about virtual programming during the pandemic is it's not just about the people that are in the class, but this is a great way to stay relative in the community and get lots of press. And we had, uh, you know, several um, news outlets feature that particular program in the press. And so, um, you know, the, the other thing that we did that was really one of the other things really popular, 911 Fitness Challenge, which was uh, on 9/11. Uh, it's, I think it's a national program. We did it outside, which the firefighters really appreciated. Uh, they they used a, a stair climber and had to do that for 11 minutes, and the person who climbed the most uh, uh, floors was the winner. Uh, and so that turned out to be extremely popular. Okay. Yeah, uh, I remember you talking about uh, the children's PE program months and months ago when we first started the pandemic. That was a brilliant idea. It sounded like you executed it extremely well. Congrats on that. Blair? Yeah, yeah. It's in prep for this, I went into our, our system and started word search events and just to see how people were using the word event. When they started to talk about events, a lot of people talking about youth events and saying this is the only outlet for my kids. Can you do more youth events? And just and and for us for the summers we had an outdoor area. Those were some of the most popular classes that we did. Were those that were you know replacing PE 
essentially. Right. right. So it is interesting that that's coming up, especially with the larger, uh, you know, with the larger clubs uh, on the system. That's uh -huh. coming up a lot is this notion of having more youth events to replace what my kids are not getting in school. Yeah. Well, right now, you know, uh, women are having a hard time in our society uh, because they're bearing the brunt of the pandemic like men are not in a lot of cases. And you know, we really have an opportunity to provide solutions uh, for them that are not available otherwise um, in the community right now because the schools are closed. And, um, you know, I, obviously we'd like to see everybody taking an equal weight of that uh, pandemic, but we really see that as we discussed earlier, that the numbers of the clubs, uh, women are one of the demographic um, segments that are missing from our club at this point relative to the numbers that they were coming before. And I think virtually providing virtual programming that reaches out to them and provides a solution is really important. Yeah, so Aaron, I mean, uh, working with Les Mills, you interact with so many clubs all over, not just the United States, but the world. What are some of the more creative uh, virtual events that, that you've witnessed or helped put on or observed? Yeah, so I just want to add in there to, to Blair and Robert, I 100% as a mom appreciate the youth virtual events and they come in handy for me personally, um, using what you know the clubs that I attend, what they've put on, but also what we've got with Les Mills, we've got a great, what we call Born to Move program, um, and a really neat free workout that we did um, a while back with Marvel Studios. So it's the whole Avengers thing and my kids love it. Um, so those have really been lifesavers. And this is actually a topic that came up Brent, when we were at the Golds Conference um, a couple weeks ago. Um, our table was sort of doing some brainstorm and, and kind of discussing the, the atmosphere today. And um, a lot of communities I'm seeing sort of the mom groups create pods you know, sort of classroom pods where, you know, the kids aren't going to back to school. So they've got a group of moms who have collectively kind of, you know, corralling the kids in one place. And so that just seems like a perfect, perfect opportunity for clubs to live stream in, put out a solution there for these mom groups, these pods. It, it, like you guys said, just that that virtual PE exchange that we're needing right now. Um, as far as other events with Les Mills, engagement i mean that's that's what we do right that's sort of entrenched in our dna um and so we very much we're not immune to missing that interaction and that opportunity um so we had to move very quickly very proud to say that we have just not missed a beat we've got several activities that have gone on just weekly so all in all during the shutdown we hosted a total of 36 webinars we had somewhere around 21 22,000 registrations participating so we just talk about just needing to keep people engaged um i think that that went over well and two specific events though sort of more like conference type events that i do want to highlight one is what we call the global summit so for those that don't know less mills we are an international global business um and hopefully some of you have had the chance to attend our less mills live event that we do annually if you haven't Hopefully it will be that soon. <laughs> it's absolutely epic. A couple of years ago, we were in San Diego and we had, you know, I think 900,000 people on the midway doing body combat. Just unbelievable experience. We usually have thousands attending. So the shutdown happened. We were all, you know, kind of disappointed we weren't going to do this. So we had to put it on virtually. We called it Global Summit. And we had about 7,500 um, participants in that two day event. Um, and I was, apprehensive about it admittedly I was you know uh -huh. used to what that experience usually brings and I just thought there's just no way this is going to add up it's not going to work I, it was I was quite impressed the lineup was amazing we got we brought in the best of the best we ran it just like a conference so we were, we were doing workouts at the same time but we really felt compelled to make sure that you know we were on knew that our friends were doing it and communicating through different chat streams um, so that's one that I really, I really do want to uh, highlight. It was also our launch of what we call World United, which is something that resonated, as you can imagine, quite well. Um, and again, that we just all needed to remind us why we're here and that we're actually not alone. 
So the second event I want to highlight was just recently, actually last week, I'm still sore from this one. Um, our global CEO, Keith Burnett, um, he is a little crazy. Uh, we love him, but uh, he, he does like to, to push the limits and he is getting ready to embark on a rowing challenge across the Atlantic. Um, I think this is going to take him something like 40 days. Like it's a very, so he's got a four man crew. He's been training for quite some time. He is kind of coming up from the tail end of this training. And so last Friday we did internally, but again, uh, for our global group, a 24 hour challenge and everyone selected a two hour shift. We logged in on zoom and we, picked whatever exercise, so rowing, bike riding, walking, running, whatever, but we, we logged into Zoom for that two hours, and so everybody was tuned in for a whole 24-hour period, and then we clocked about a 3,000-mile um, activity among us, and we also did, coupled that with a fundraiser for some children's groups, um, so it was really neat, and as I was doing it, I thought, this is something that clubs could easily do, um, and it was, it was quite compelling. Yeah, those are great numbers and great participation. Yeah, who would have thought that they, they could attract that number of people to those kinds of events, for sure. Ralph, you wanted to add something to that? Yeah, yeah I was just going to say that I had the opportunity to go to the San Diego event last year, and it was bonkers. I mean, it was so fun. I took seven classes in the day, and it was a little bit of a challenge um that was put in front of me but it was so fun and it really gave me the it gave me the full scope of the impact of Les Mills with the instructors because I was really able to see ground level what a tribe that they've been able to build with the instructor level I mean these guys the master trainers I mean these guys are rock stars and you know the instructor level i mean they were just pumped at every class that i went to and i was talking about there's probably three four hundred five hundred people in these ballrooms so to see it from a management standpoint of how this has been built firsthand was super powerful in understanding how this could translate into the club so it was it was an amazing event and i would definitely hopefully we're able to do this do it next year because I would definitely go back and, and participate just because just from a learning and understanding point of what the opportunity is to bring that back into the club firsthand. Yeah so Aaron you need to put this on your calendar we need to we need to incorporate this in our March sort of substitute event since we moved the convention the URSA convention we could still do this virtually in March for everybody. Sounds great. <laughs> uh, Robert go ahead you or Bill go ahead Bill. No Robert so, go <clears throat> Thanks, Bill. Uh, what, I was going to comment on something that Erin uh, brought up about uh, communication and the ability that she, she mentioned chat. Our experience was is that the most popular events for us uh, and the best integration with the club connection, particularly during the shutdown, was having a, a, a vehicle like Zoom where we could have two-way communication. And that's super, it, for us, it really made a huge difference. And I think as far as clubs are concerned, being able to have people connect with the club in some fashion uh, has a, a, a outsized benefit to uh, the interaction. And so where with Facebook, you know, it was a little more difficult to do that. Um, the With Zoom, that was a very popular feature for us as people greeted each other they greeted the instructor, the ability for the instructor to, we usually work in teams for the classes um, and the ability to have that communication. Even when our instructors were working from home, uh, they were having those sort, that sort of communication. Hey, on, on that, Robert, did you find, because we, we found that as well, but just like we see the six of us on here, at some point, the number of people gets to where you can't see everybody on that screen and, and it's harder for them to greet each other. Did you limit class sizes so that they basically fit on a screen and could see each other or how'd you do that? Uh, no, we did not limit class sizes. And um, I don't think we typically got so large that, that we had to do that. I think it, at times it became cluttered uh, and difficult for people. And, and that's where the moderator really came into. Uh, 
in, into its full value. So they provided a vehicle for us to kind of monitor what the people were saying. Frankly, I think you, you kind of need to have a monitor because sometimes people show up in circumstances you don't want them on the screen, frankly. Uh, you know, so uh, let's be honest about it. <laughs> I, have I no just idea would add talking. there, so it depends on the we size. The I think there's a place. I'm sorry, Erin. I just I think there's a place to have that more intimate setting, and you can have the two, and you can see the screen. Some of the bigger events that I was just talking about, it was. I mean, it felt engaging just seeing the constant roll of chats. You know, people commenting as we had a speaker up there. Love this, like whatever you knew and you saw the the communication you didn't necessarily have to see the person but i do think there's a space to to being able to put the video on and, and interact well and particularly with kids i think it's extremely important that as the kids are participating that they have some interaction so that's one of the probably the, the most profound areas where that two-way communication really paid off uh, just a side note we did have to blacklist bill mcbride twice <laughs> wise bill finally it's your turn oh that's okay so i just want to take us back a little bit you know when you look at this stuff on a macro level i look at patterns you know what are the patterns that are going on with regard to human behavior and, and consumer behavior and what are the mega trends and and we've talked about there's some mega trends at work here that we need to pay attention to that you know encompass this outdoor and virtual component of what we offer I love what Aaron said about the pods. We can take that pod concept because every neighborhood has their little pods going. Their party pods, their workout pods, their their kids play group pods. So that pod concept, that's a that's a trend. I'm not sure if it's a mega trend, but right now it definitely is a mega trend, you know, in the US. So you got telework, you got video meetings, we've changed the way we meet, we've changed the way we work as far as that goes. You've got virtual everything, every restaurant has outdoor seating now. Downtown areas in congested urban cities or you know the cities are blocking off certain streets where there's lots of restaurants and letting them set up the European cafes type stuff. Um, we all have cost containment going on with our businesses. I, if you're like me, you've got some cost containment going on with your personal finances. You know, so these are mega trends that um, that that you know have patterns that that go on. So what do we do with the way we communicate virtually? the way we handle outdoor, all of these things on a macro level. And, and, I, and I don't want us to get caught up in, oh, I should do outdoor program or I should do a virtual challenge. We're doing virtual challenges. We have Active Go. We have a 21 day reboot challenge, very popular. But um, how many people on this call have, have pools? Okay, so back in the day, they said 5% of your members will use your pool but 100% of your members like the fact that you have a pool. Virtual program is kind of the same thing for me. Um, if you don't have a virtual offering, I think you're behind the times. I think you're not paying attention. Uh, I wanna know that you do, because that shows me that you're keeping up and that you're offering something. Even if I'm not using it, it's cool that you have it. So Blair and I talk a lot about optics. Um, the virtual program is participation, but it's also optics, that I'm paying attention, that I have a broader thing, um, a corporate company that you're doing corporate memberships with, they're going to start knowing to ask you, do you have a virtual program? You know, that's going to be just on their list of things to check off the box, right? So, so the virtual presence isn't just to drive participation. It's to expand your relevancy, your optics, your perception, your expertise in the marketplace. Um, and so I just want everybody to go back and look at, okay, what are the patterns of what's changing and where do I fit into those patterns with my offering? Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll pile on that a little bit too, because, you know, I've been saying, you know, talking about the things, the new things that members love, and I want to make sure I'm real clear on the virtual thing. I've said this uh, before, what they love, it's not that they love virtual, it's that they love virtual as an option. <laughs> That's what they're saying. They love virtual as an option. They wish there were more classes. They, But it's not like they're saying, I love virtual so much, I'm not coming in the club. I, to, I so agree with like what Robert was saying, you know, that is, and what Bill's saying here, this has got to be just, uh, you know, it, it shows you're relevant, but remember, they love it as an option. And just like maybe they would love the pool as an option, right? <laughs> so they're not yeah, saying they Yeah. Well, well the, what I'm trying to do, 
Yeah, what I want to do is is reframe our virtual membership and tie it to our freeze. So as it's going forward, so in your so someone's not thinking that they're freezing their membership and they're not getting anything. What they're getting for that fee is the uh, virtual membership. So I'm working on as we're migrating people towards out of this free and active or free freeze that they're on now by the first of the year. I want to reframe that. So I think that's another tool for a virtual membership and however that's canned up because we do have that. We don't have a huge take on it right now, but I do see it as the, the value proposition to what was the, well, why should I pay you to be an active question? Right. Yeah. Not really good point, Robert. So I, I agree with all of those statements and I, we used to have a CFO here and, and he used to say, we sell hope. And I think that, you know, people all want to be fit. You know, they uh, are joining your club hoping in, in a large case that you're going to be a good tool for them to achieve their goals. And I, the, the thing about virtual is I think it provides an additional level of, of assurance to them or certainly confidence to them that they're going to be able to attain their goal because now not only can they get the you know uh, benefits associated with attending the club but they're going to possibly on those days when they can't make it or or circumstances uh cause them not to um be able to get to the club that they, they can do it at home and so i i see it as just another tool uh and we're investing a significant amount of money right now in terms of generating not only virtual content but really the infrastructure around it that I think will add the, the perception of value. So I think just to be online and say, hey, I've got classes and you can log into Zoom and, and watch those, it's okay. But I think you have to make it a product, something that they can identify as a um, something tangible. And so for us, having an app that's specifically associated with that, the two-way communication, the the uh, the OTT the ability to do that on your you know your big screen at home all of that I think adds this you know it packages it you've got to package your virtual so that it's a product and not just some random stuff that you throw up on the internet. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's, that's right. That's me turning the pages as he's preaching the sermon because uh, I'm right there with it. You got to have it as a marketing unified collaborative package product that's comprehensive and, and not just ad, ad hoc, jumbled together. Yeah, Love I would agree with you. You, you want to have a full 360. Go ahead, Aaron. I was say, I totally agree. You want to have that full 360. And um, to your point there, Robert, we used to, you know, we've talked for a long time about the club industry and how we found ourselves in the membership business. And we're not, we, we say we're in the motivation business. I think that's similar to your point there, there, Robert, and it's not the membership business. Leave that to Costco. Leave, leave that to Sam's Club. It's about motivation. And our, our CEO, CEO of Les Mills Media um, did a podcast recently. Ralph, I talked about this the other day, um, and he made a comment so simple, but it really resonated that the best gift COVID gave us was it forced fitness facilities to stop focusing on the facility and start focusing on fitness. The facility is just the channel, right, of how we were delivering, but you can do that digitally, you can do it virtually. Consumers did not suddenly stop wanting fitness when the club shut down, but a lot of clubs stopped offering, stopped servicing. So I agree, we've got to have that whole 360. And, and Robert, I think you mentioned this earlier on as well, that wanting to make sure that your vertical product does feed back to your club and, and what you're doing there, though, it feeds back to your to your brand. Um, and I agree with that. I think it's so important. Um, and I often kind of compare it to the music industry as well. There's, you know, you think about um, the music that we download on our phones, our iPods, like whatever, you know, those songs, those artists, the more they're getting downloaded and played in the market, those are the, the ones that are gonna blow out the concerts, right? Nothing beats live. So I think as an industry, we, we sometimes get intimidated and fearful of that, um, but nothing beats live. But the more we can add to the amount of touch points and familiarity with what you have happening in your club, 
the better you're going to attract them. Yeah. So, you know, one of the questions the audience is asking is, how are you communicating all these different offerings? What's the best communication method you found? Ralph, you want to answer that first? Yeah. Yeah. We we have done similar to what Robert mentioned. We set up a separate spot on the website for virtual membership and what the benefits of it standalone by itself are. Um, and then being able to have a, a marketing plan specifically to the virtual membership that gets sent out on a regular basis and is also part of the regular sales presentation as well. So it looks so it's a tier within the, the membership as an option. And, and you're having that regular marketing sort of message that's going out um, seems to have helped with people kind of wrapping their head around what is this and what is the benefit to me of having it. So Ralph, would you mind sharing with the audience the website, your website, so they might go check it out and see firsthand what that looks like? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's uh, formagym.com. Okay, and that's F-O-R-M-A-Gym.com. Yes. Perfect. Okay, um, Robert, Bill, what about you guys as far as communicating these virtual offerings that are packaged well and connected to your brand? Well, I think that you, you hit the nail on the head with that last statement that it's packaged right. You've got to figure out what you're selling before you can effectively market it. And I, I think, you know, we've learned quite a bit about, uh, you know, how we have to reach our customer. And the, one of the primary reason, uh, lessons that we've learned is that you can't use one tool uh, to get out to everybody. And so we're taking... Uh, a very integrated approach to that, uh, not, you know, not only our website, you know, various forms of social media, uh, app pushes has been, have been very successful for us, which is, you know, not always been the best vehicle, uh, but it's really stepped up uh, during the pandemic as a way to communicate with our members, um, you know, engaging with people, um, our you know, from the ability to promote classes within the classes. And so we set people up for the next uh, success in the current one. And so, um, and, and plus PR, uh, we, you know, during the pandemic, we've had a heightened sense. I always thought we were doing quite a bit on that front, but we, we decided that, you know, with all of the negativity that's surrounding going to health clubs and the image of the industry it's important to step up with pr and so we've been using um the ability for non-members to use the club uh, as a great opportunity for us to generate good pr uh with uh the community and so that's been one of the most effective ways uh, by creating you know all of the charitable things that we've been doing during the pandemic that's driven a lot of interest in the club and the programs that we're putting on through uh, you know, non-traditional kind of free PR from the media. Okay. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, three. I mean, three points. Um, right on, Ralph. Um, you know, you got to have it hosted on your website in a in a cohesive manner to where it's appealing and connected. Um, you got to have it available on your app. And then you you know, we were doing email blasts uh, once a week with the whole program to where people could do whatever aspect of it, you know, one-on-one -on -one training, group training. So push, pull, and static, right? So you've got the app ready to go. You've got, I go to the website, find information, and then we had a weekly communication with the package program right there. All right, let's segue if we can to sort of outdoor fitness, which is the other subject we told people we talk a little bit about today. Um, Blair, I'm gonna let you talk first because I know, once again, wearing two hats there with MXM, I believe you've shared the feedback about outdoor fitness has been really positive uh, from members uh, and you've seen that online and then you're doing some things there in Wenatchee as well. Yeah, well, we created two outdoor areas. The minute I saw what Ralph was doing down in California, I called him. That was months and months ago. And so we took an outdoor area, completely turfed it. Now we're getting prices on actually covering it um universal across this feedback people love the outdoor they want it to stay even in inclement weather um i've made the point that as humans we are willing to um do things outdoors with about a 40 to 50 degree fahrenheit range i mean i, I think about uh you know going to cocktail parties out by the pool in las vegas at an event and it's 100 degrees out and you're in the shade 
you'll, you'll tolerate that. And you'd probably tolerate it down to 60 degrees or 55 with a few heaters out there. You've been probably even higher with a few misters out there. But inside, you know, me and Jenny, if we're in this office, it's a five degree. You know, I'm cold, she's hot, and it's like, you know, we only tolerate this much inside. Outdoors, we tolerate a lot more. And people love the outdoors. And I would even argue that it could go even further. Like here, we can get our area covered, have some nice radiant heat, put equipment out there. I'd love to be out there working out while it's snowing hard around me. You know, I, I think I think people like that. It's a different experience, and they're expressing it in this feedback. Yeah. So, Ralph, we've uh, we've talked about the great outdoor space you have, but what sort of activities are you providing in that outdoor space? Boot camps probably a given, but what else? I'm sorry. Were you talking to me, Brent? Yes. <laughs> yeah, the audio broke up a little bit there. Yeah, so we we did. I missed your question, but we jumped in early with the tent thing, like Blair said. So we were open June June fourth with our tent, and it's four thousand square feet. So uh, you know, we we leapt in pretty hard, and the response was great from the beginning. It allowed us to turn on dues very quickly, which really helped the business and keep some people employed. Um, and I think that. For us, I mean, it is the tent has evolved. I mean, we started off with we were going to do group fitness out there and some strength, but we saw that it was really fitness that and strength that was bringing people back to the club and was attracting new memberships. So we just kind of kept evolving and pivoting the product to the point where it felt like we were kind of hitting the hitting the demand. And now it's pretty much all strength outside. We do have a group fit space out there but we brought more and more uh, strength equipment out there. And now that we're open 25% inside, we're still seeing higher usage outside than inside. And it's been, it's been interesting to see that, that people have still continued to choose to, to be outside. Now, thankfully, and we were talking about it before the call, I mean, our weather up here has been really, really warm and it's continued to be warm. It's gonna be 80 degrees here still today. It's supposed to cool down this week, but now we're working on winterizing because I'm planning on being out there through at least, you know, into the second quarter next year. So that's our plan now is, is how do we winterize and make it so it's a little more waterproof for the, uh, for the winter coming. So a question from the audience before I go to Bill here, uh, specifically about these outdoor and warmer climates like yours, are you using misters and have you gotten any pushback on that if you were? Yeah, no, we didn't use misters because they're kind of gross in my opinion. Uh, but what we did was we got some big ass fans to plug one of our industry people uh, that do have cooling. So they do have a water cooling element to them. So, you know, like the big five foot by five foot sideline fans you see at a football game. So we did put those at both of the facilities and just the fact of moving air uh was enough and then we had some regular fans that were a little less expensive that also but when you're i think you're not we weren't necessarily trying to lower the temperature a lot but at least create some air movement across people's skin so when they're sweating then they're feeling cooler and that that seemed to to hit now the heating we we're talking about yesterday that's going to be a little more of a challenge because heating so spotty right so uh that's going to be that's going to be the challenge but uh, that was that was how we handled the cooling part of it. Now that, that worked really well. Okay, sorry, Bill, go ahead. No, I um, we used to own the club in San Jose that Ralph's referring to, and we had a, a volleyball court out there. And, and Ralph's group and Robert they took that whole area and made the whole outdoor complex. So I've seen both the Ralph's clubs and I've seen both the Blair's clubs outdoor space, and um, and they really done a, a great job. But I want to make a point about the outdoor space. You got to think about it as a destination, not just as a program space. Um, you got to have vegetation, trees, plants, planter boxes, whatever. But you got to make it appealing and make it look like a destination versus just a, you know, a concrete slab, you know, with a chain link fence, right? And so what what these guys have done with their facilities is really think through the aesthetics of it all. 
Um, Blair and I had a conversation the other day where he was talking about covering his whole space in one of his clubs. And I was like, I, I don't know. I would probably leave a third of it open for natural light and, and open air. So you got to think long all year round or however much time throughout the year you can use the space. You know, can you retract your, your covering? Can you take it down? You know, in, in um, Walnut Creek, Ralph's Club, he's got he originally had sails on top and they would take the sails down part of the year and they'd put them up. And personal trainers would be out there all the time. And so you got to think, what's the total annual usage of the space? What are the aesthetics? Are people going to want to be out here? You know, so think about decor, planters, plants, trees, uh, fencing in, dumpsters, whatever it is, you know, but all those kinds of things. Think the aesthetics. And I'll, I'll pile on that a little bit, too, because you could think about those same aesthetics inside to make the inside feel a little bit more like the outside. Uh, the most popular thing we did outside was cycling. And think about if something is not going to come back, that's the one that's going to be the hardest to come back, given the energy that's created. You know, outbreaks happen when you create nightclub-like conditions. Cycling classes are the most energetic when it's a nightclub, when it's nightclub-like conditions. I think that's one that we should be dragging outdoors as much as we possibly can. I think that's the best chance to actually get a lot of people in a, in a cycling class because that's going to be a tough one to bring back in because it's intense, it's smaller, and it's, you know, it can be a lot of people hooting and hollering and yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Hey, Bill, I just wanted to add on what you were saying about about outside and creating a destination, and I totally agree. And and you got to come back up to San Jose because we just put up two weeks ago. We put up a huge tent structure out there to match what we have here. And the the idea, the interesting thing is when we were we sold a, a lot of memberships in July and August at that club because we were the only ones open outside. We, we were the only product, but we were attracting people that we didn't normally attract. We were attracting a lot of physique, bodybuilder type people, um, Spartan type people, right? So some of the people that we didn't typically get at that club. So when we opened up inside and, and when their clubs opened, we lost a lot of those people. But what it got us thinking about was how do we rebrand this outdoor space to hold on to that group of people? Because they're here in the community. So I don't need two like products inside and outside. I want a clear differentiation between the inside and the outside. And I want to rebrand that outside to the Spartan OCR bodybuilder type person. So it is a difference. So I can open up a different demographic to the club. And then how do I tweak some of the products and positioning outside and the amenities, things that kind of make it cool and brand it up? So it does feel like a different offering. So I can hopefully open up a new segment of my community. Yeah, but what you just described, Ralph, is you're thinking long-term forever strategy versus I need to get an outdoor program because I have limited indoor access. You're thinking strategically long-term for your product differentiation, and that's brilliant. Yes, I agree with that. I think we're seeing a lot of that right now. And it feels like, you know, uh, a lot of us are like a kid in a candy store. It's like a big playground when these are, things are coming out. They look amazing. And I love that the industry has embraced that. Let's bring it outdoors. You know, I think before COVID, we were seeing a lot of clubs incorporate like the garage doors into their clubs to create that indoor-outdoor effect as well. Um, and I just wanted to ask, even in some of our club partners, you know, here in Texas, Brent, for you, Ralph, in California, we know it's a bit warmer. It's a little bit easier to keep going outdoors. I was surprised to hear that even you know, in New York, in Chicago, some of our club partners are keeping the outdoor classes going. So I guess, Blair, maybe that kind of speaks to what you were talking about, that you'd be all for it. Um, we There's a studio in Chicago that just bought a whole bunch of space heaters and they did exactly what you're describing. They made it look really cool, incorporated the fall, like pumpkins and you know, greenery, just really made it aesthetically pleasing. Um, tons of space heaters and they're packing the classes, selling them out even at 30 degrees. I would wow. not be out there, but <laughs> the folks in Chicago who are a little bit more acclimated, so no, it's been no problem. Yeah, I think one other thing that uh, that Ralph touched on that I'd I want to make sure people didn't miss, because I thought it was really important, is 
especially as people are coming back from the clubs that have been shut down, most clubs would agree the most popular element in their clubs has been the strength, the strength training equipment, uh, strength orient, oriented sort of activities, whether it's boot camps or whatever, not as much about the classes. And I think part of that's because they were able to get the classes virtually, right? If they, while they were outside the club, and then they were also able to get some aerobic type activities outside the club, but they couldn't go grab a set of weights, right? They didn't have access to the platforms and the equipment and the dumbbells. And so I think as people are thinking about their outdoor spaces, don't think of just creating an outdoor like Group X studio. It's something different than that for sure. Robert? I think what we're seeing in the, in the marketplace is a, a situation where people are um, coming back to the club in the largest numbers based on a, in, in the inability to find a substitute for strength training. Uh, without a doubt, strength training has been the core of our membership, you know, continued membership. Uh, far fewer people in our cardio areas. I mean, we, we don't have capacity issues here uh, and we've been allowed to be open throughout. And when we look at the utilization, cardio and class, well, classes to some degree uh, have been more lightly attended than the strength training on a comparative basis. Um, I will say that um, I have I don't have a lot of uh, confidence that people will continue to do uh, outdoor activity as it gets colder. Uh, I've been through the full spectrum here. We were open. We had our outdoor fitness centers open about the same time Ralph did, and the uh, they were very popular, well attended. Uh, but uh, once we started getting below uh, 50 degrees, attendance uh, dropped off sharply, and uh, then we we still had them up when we had our first snow, and and we had already seen a significant decline uh, in attendance. And it's and it's very very difficult to heat a large space like that, um, you know, even at 32 degrees, uh, and then you just start running into problems with safety with snow. So there are going to be a lot of people that are listening on this call from around the country that live in environments where it's not possible to continue uh, outdoor. And I think what we need to be thinking of is what's the next best thing indoors, you know, to um, make the club or, or possibly even, uh, you know, we're looking for potential partners that might allow us to take that same equipment we had outside um, and put it into a, a larger space uh, just to serve our members, to spread people out more uh, and to give them confidence in a, you know, whether it's a warehouse or a field house or something uh, of that nature that kind of gives you much larger air volume than what's typically available um, in, in our buildings. So uh, it's, it's really a function of substitutes. And I, I mean, I always thought cardio was really, you know, super important part of our business. I still think it will be going forward. But for the time being, it's all about the fact that people are having a hard time replicating strength at home and a sense of community that, that comes with being a member of the club. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Blair, go ahead. Well, I think it, it's interesting. Like I, I'm thinking about the things that you're willing to do outside when it's really cold out and, and how they and how do they construct that, you know? And, I'm, and so I'm just thinking out there a little bit, you know, fire, fire pits. Right or or gas, I mean it adds a lot of ambiance when people feel like they're sort of more in a shelter. I think there's ways to think about that that might be really interesting for. Uh, but I do get one. There is a there is a tipping point there, right? Where it's just too damn cold, right? <laughs> you know, I'm gonna go outside. I love the I love the outdoor being used for the strength training and for the cycling. That seems to me like the two big things. Can you see five, what the temperature is there? Five, five degrees. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's chilly, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's chilly. chilly. That's why we don't live in Alaska. I had a yeah. partner tell me recently that it was also an opportunity for them to do, you know, weather permitting merchandise sales. So they set up a rack right mm -hmm. there outside. And, you know, so it was obviously people were gravitating towards putting the layers on, but as they started working out, they were also removing some layers. So yeah. um, I've also heard of, of the use of heated tents, putting those up. I have no idea if that would work in a five degree situation, but 
That's sounds like it went for Blair. And yeah, Robert, Robert, that's why you only have three electoral votes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of truth to that. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it really is a function of, you know, where you are. I mean, California, I think, obviously, in, in most parts, is going to be ideal to have outdoor fitness year-round. Uh, and then there's going to be everybody in between and then people in the northern part of the country that it, it's just not really feasible because we, we looked at having open sided tents and and uh, having large scale heating. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's, you know, I think strange about a lot of the tenting that's happening in the restaurant industry is that there's no ventilation in there, no effective ventilation. And so I don't quite understand the benefit of putting people in enclosed spaces without air turnover. Uh, so, you know, those are all things that we, we have to take into consideration. Right, yep, good point, Robert. So, you know, overall, uh, I think what the audience was hoping to get uh, from today's webinar was uh, some information about the virtual events and packaging and communicating. I think y'all had some great uh, comments on that. If we had to boil those down into, you know, two or three main takeaways based on your learnings about virtual events, what might those top two or three things that, wow, here's, if you don't do anything else, do these three things, what would you say to that? Maybe we'll go around and ask each, let, let, let each of you answer those. And I'll let ladies first. So Aaron, what are the top three sort of takeaways you hope people heard today? from you or everybody else? Um, I guess first and foremost, just to do them. <laughs> um, don't, don't, you know, hold back. Um, I agree. I think Ralph said something about just making sure that we're doing it to where it is energizing and fun and exciting, or maybe that was Robert. You, you, you don't want it to be boring. It is a representation of your brand, but I would say just start somewhere, get them going, take that leap, and then start working towards, now how do you make this long-term? Okay. Um, because I do think it's here to stay. And then marketing, over-communicating, create a bit of FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah, good, I'm glad you threw that in there. I don't think we've heard that yet today. That's important. <laughs> All right, Ralph, I'll let you go next. Yeah, I think I think a couple of things, and we've said most of them, just to kind of recap it, I think really understanding how it fits into your general membership strategy and, and how it complements and how it solves a problem for somebody that they don't have a solution to themselves. So I think that's important. I think doing the research on what platform is right for you on scale and cost. I mean, there's so many out there and so many new players jumping in, trying to help out. And having somebody, I've assigned somebody on the team to be our expert in this just to attend every webinar and session and stay up on who's doing what because people are adding things all the time right bigger companies are adding things and i know zoom's doing stuff and vimeo's doing stuff right i can't keep track of this so having somebody because we may have to switch and pivot to make it easier for members but i think doing the research and understanding what's best for you and then once you pick your lane then just keep keep getting the message out there and stay with it. I mean, you may not get a lot of sales on this thing right away, but don't don't quit on it. I mean, it takes time to do this and there's, you will get points. I think somebody mentioned this, but you will get points with your membership just by having this as a solution, even if they don't necessarily take you up on it. So to that point, Ralph, and I neglected to ask this earlier, but what platform are, are y'all using at this point? We're using Vimeo. Okay, very good. And Aaron, can I jump back to you? Les Mills, of course, this is such a big part of what you offer, but what platform are, is, is Les Mills normally using? So we do Blue Jeans events. Um, that's one that we've used for some of our big ones. We use Zoom, um, and of course we use some of the social networks. Um, All right, thank you. Robert, next, your big takeaways and what platforms are you guys using? So just on the platform side, we're using GleanTap, and uh, we're building out our, our new program with those guys. Uh, as far as the, the takeaways, I, I think I'd just like to really reiterate that it's important not to make this just a kind of random set of things that you throw up on the internet. Come up with a way to package it, provide a product that people can identify uh, as value. And I totally agree with what Ralph and Aaron have been saying. You know, it's you're going to get 
point, as Ralph said, you're going to get points just for having it, whether people use it a lot or not. I think everybody's going to be grateful that you've you've continued to add value to that membership relationship. And I think tying it back to the club, don't think of virtual as your new business model um, on its own. I don't, I, I don't know many clubs that can survive uh, on virtual uh, programming. Uh, I think it has to be a complement to what you're doing and as a way to be there. And I think I heard Aaron use the term 360 for people. Um, be wherever they're going to be and provide a fitness solution, uh, which is super important. Uh, I think having two-way communication to us, that that was critical in terms of how uh, people valued our product and, and whether they came back in large numbers to have not only be able to talk to us, but be able to see other people. And maybe that's going to dissipate to some degree after the pandemic. I'm, we're not sure, but right now it's it's really a critical element. And, um, you know, I think that there something else that is really, really important is I, I think, you know, the, the, the industry is going to be challenged for a while uh, financially. And so the question is, is how does this product help you uh, contain your costs or to, or to set up a new venue for you to reach out and to help your customers. So for example, instead of having a, you know, a bunch of fitness people running around the building trying to run into a customer that needs help, um, provide the customer with assistance. So we're looking at our virtual programming beyond just things that they can do at their home. But I see people, almost everybody's walking around the weight room these days with their phone. And how can that phone be a tool for them to learn the club better? So I think we should be thinking about virtual programming, not just as something that happens in the home, but as a tool that they use in the clubs to connect them even uh, and provide them better value from your brick and mortar. Okay. Yep. Good advice for sure. Bill, I go next. Um, I think um, there's a couple things with it. There's ongoing, which, you know, we have our program called Active Go, which is our complement of ongoing programming. We're using MindBody now for streaming. We use Virtual Gym for a lot of our, our, our um, challenges and so forth. Um, we were using Burn Along, great product there. So there's a lot of good product out there. But, um, but some people want an event with closure. Like, so we've got Active Go, which is ongoing, our bundle of program product. And then we've got... Um, our 21 day uh, reboot challenge. So you got to start and stop project based. I get a sense of closure when I complete it. I'm coming out of COVID. I've gained my 10, 15 pounds. You know, let me get going again and get back into this whole thing. So um, think virtual from how do you deliver your services in a way that consumers need to receive it right now. And that could be work out of the day. It could be work out of the week. It could be something you just send me and I do. I go online, I get. You know, so this is a comprehensive thing. Don't get caught up in what it looks like. It is reaching your customer where your customer is, where your customer is comfortable uh, engaging with your product. Okay, great. Blair, you want to wrap us up with the advice? Sure. I, I just say remember that people love virtual as an option. They're not saying they love virtual. They love it as an option. Um, and there are tens of thousands of virtual options out there. So uh, there is something about the member wanting to do virtual that's connected to your club. There's a reason, and it goes back to I think what Robert was saying, make sure this is anchored get back, back to your club. They love as an option. We, I, you know, it's possible, I'll, you know, it's possible we're over-indexing on, on virtual a bit as we, as we move through the pandemic and come out the other side of it. But, uh, um, uh, but right now I do think you gotta have some some product out there yeah there's Great. a you know just make one distinction here um so i know we're referring to as virtual um but this came up recently in the conversation and so i just wanted to add this clarification so we're really kind of coupling all this as the digital solution um and looking at in the club to to the point that was brought up here you know how do you turn on what we call virtual so the screen the nine screen mosaic you know, run classes, add 100 classes to your schedule. So where you're limited in capacity, you know, you can service a lot more. I do recommend schedule out those classes, even if they are done virtually. 
um, so that you can market them and drive traffic to them, but spread that out. And then the at-home offer, which is, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about here, you know, doing events, um, live streaming. Um, like Blair said, there's so many um, platforms and offers out there. There's a lot of great ones. Um, I've heard of, of, of folks using the Burn Along, um, Forte, several other ones. Um, we've got the Less Mills on Demand. So, but I don't think it's a one-stop. I think it's the the full Robert 360. So I just wanted to add that distinction. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that. that that's important distinction. Uh, and maybe I'll wrap it up with just some data from a recent survey. Uh, that Ursa did of gym goers uh, around the nation, COVID era fitness consumer behaviors. And they asked gym goers how important and how many of them were using a, you know, a digital online fitness uh, app or something to maintain their exercise. And that number was quite high. I think the number was around 60%. Then they asked again, how many of you see that as an alternative to your gym experience and overwhelmingly the response was no it's a compliment this is not replacing my gym membership or all the things that happen when i go to my club this is just an adjunct an add-on if you will uh, so i don't think we need to feel threatened by that but uh, maybe emboldened by that to a degree so we'll close with that. I appreciate uh, all of you being on the panel again today and volunteering your time and expertise, particularly uh, the guests, Ralph, Aaron, and Robert. We appreciate uh, all of your insights. And thank you for being with us today. To the rest of you, we'll see you hopefully again next week. We're going to have a really great uh, uh, sort of heartfelt program next week. It's Veterans Day. Uh, so we're going to be doing something a little bit different uh, with the webinar then. So join us again next week. Uh, until then, be the salt and light. Bye, everybody.